Welcome to Writing Easy, the podcast that takes the act of writing, which can sometimes be not so easy, and tries to make it less not so easy. I'm one of your hosts, Mary Mascari. And I'm your other host, Melissa Long. Once again, we have our special guest, David Abzug. And dang it, I forgot the whole official title again. You are okay. an instructor <laughs> of... of I teach class. game design at Bradley University and I run there the game go. design program. There. <laughs> That's the important part. And you, you and hold on. To, oh. I teach game design at Bradley University and we're one of the top 10 programs in the country. Yeah, Woo! there you go. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Not bad for a school with a giant pic, a statue of Abraham Lincoln out yeah. front. That's, That's weird. Is it weird? That's at the Riverfront Museum. It's at the Riverfront Museum. It's not actually right at Bradley. Okay, you're right. We have a statue of an 80-year-old lady out front. <laughs> That's Lydia Moss Bradley, our founder. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. That's, that's yeah. fair. No, but Peoria's got this weird large statue of yeah. Abraham Lincoln and some guy in a sweater. Yep. And it's hilarious. So if you're ever in Peoria, you have to see that photo, that statue because it's some guy in a sweater. She's absolutely, it's like if, if Abraham Lincoln was having a chat with Stuart Smalley. Yes. <laughs> it's mind boggling. Like you, you hear about it, you hear me saying right now what this would be and you have a picture in your head yeah like, oh, okay i think i understand what i'm going to go see and you might even go look at it online and go oh that's really weird but there's nothing compared to being there and seeing that that thing in front of you you're like what why is this here what's <laughs> happening it's the best thing about pure the second best thing about pure illinois i'm sorry the first best thing about pure illinois is of course bradley university of course of course right. so we wanted to talk about, last week we talked a lot about uh, being kind of like the freedom of writing and playing and writing and how, you know, writing for, for games, which is, you know, play, uh, kind of helps free you up. But I also want to kind of talk about writing in the video game industry, like, as a job. Like, because that's a thing that a writer can do, is you can write for video games. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't know about. They don't really know that that's a thing that exists. Well... I should start out with a caveat. Um, yeah. I am not a video game writer. I am a designer. I don't even mm -hmm. play a writer on TV. Nope. Um, I have done some writing for video games, usually mostly earlier in my career, when teams were small enough where there wasn't a dedicated writing team. Yeah. But once we got a dedicated writing team, they were better than I was. So why would I do that? And, and um, as a writer, thank you for not... Uh... Yeah, for for you know, staying in your lane. Right. You know, give us. We appreciate space. that. <laughs> it's hard no enough. Problem. Give us a chance. So, for your listeners, so take for example, there's design, programming, art, writing, and QA in video games. Okay. And programming's job is to make sure the game works. Art's job is to make sure the game looks good. Design's job is to make sure the game's fun. Writing's job is to make sure the game's compelling, and QA's job is to make sure everybody else doesn't break things. <laughs> okay. There's also production, whose job it is to say we need to be done Friday. Right. right. So, yeah, so I would kind of curious about how, like, and, and I think that's something new relatively. I mean, video games is a, is a very young uh, medium, mm -hmm. relatively speaking. Um, novels are thousands of years old. Um, but the idea of telling a story through a video game, I think, is especially for old fogies, is not something that you think about. But it really is. There's really a story to it. I mean, mm -hmm. even even the early ones, there was a story, um, a very simple one. You know, 
monkey's got your girlfriend uh go get her mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah the, so it's, it's something that people don't really think about it's like yeah video game is storytelling oh yeah it's and it's unlike a movie or a tv show or a book um video games are storytelling where you're not guaranteed that the player is going to see all of it in a lot of cases mm-hmm. um and so that makes it a little bit more difficult and in some games you're not even guaranteed what order the player is going to see it that blows that's the, the thing stuff that blows my mind where it's like what if they don't do the thing that they're supposed to do like right well i've spent a lot of my life working on open world games yeah. Where that is a problem. And we do a lot of cheating on the design end. Um, you'll have audio logs that you can find in a game that tell you about the backstory. Mm-hmm. And some games set it up where audio log, log number 37J is in this room hidden behind the cheese dispenser. Sure. Okay. But others will say, here's the, here's the 213 places where we have audio logs doesn't matter what order the player finds them in. The first one they find is audio log one, and the second one they find is audio log two. Ah, okay. And the third one they find is audio log three on down the line. Um, an open world game still has usually a set of core missions, and that's where you put the majority of the story. Mm-hmm. And those missions have to be done in order. And then what you do is you populate the open world with backstory. You populate the open world with character development for side characters Mm -hmm. um you populate the open world with um ancillary data i guess you'd put it stuff that is not stuff that if you were trying to write a tight script would get cut yeah all right or more importantly to to dovetail to something else that i'm currently diving into for a class you do a lot more storytelling through the environment than just through exposition. And that that's so cool because you know that that's what you always want to do when you're when you're trying to show the the environment, show the backstories, you have a character interact with it. Well in this case, the player interacts with it and that's how they learn about the world. Exactly. And you've got you've got some games that have done it remarkably well, like The Last of Us, um, the Bioshock series, the Far Cry series. Um, Celeste, I've been told I, I need to look at Sayonara Wild Hearts. I've been told it does a remarkable job, but I have not managed to play it yet. There's just too many games and not There's enough too, hours. It's too many books. Totally yes. hear you. Too many movies, too much stuff. Um, yeah. You Then you've got games like um, Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, which is set in a far future environment. I mean, it's an open world game where you've got a bow and arrow and there are robot freaking dinosaurs. I mean, mm-hmm. how can you not like robot dinosaurs. Everyone loves robot dinosaurs. The beautiful thing about it is it doesn't tell you what happened. It just drops you in this world and you're a person living in this world with robot dinosaurs. And the first training mission, you're a younger version of yourself and you're trapped underground and the stuff going on in it, that is all foreshadowing for things you're going to learn later on. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And it's like I said, it's not exposition. It's something on a shelf over here and they're smart about how they put it they have the door switch that you need to find on this wall and just to the left of the door switch there's a drawing on the wall mm-hmm. that gives you a hint towards something later on there's so, there's so many things that you can learn from that from you know prose writing is 
yeah, I, like this, it, I think we all need to start playing more video games to see these great techniques to to do because it's always so hard. You're like you got so much to explain about your world. Like, oh, but you got this does this and this does this. And here's a thing where you can't put any text in. You can't have someone sit and say, "All right, well, player, here's the skip, 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 skip." They're just mm-hmm. gonna skip right through all that. Yeah, I have. Yeah. A, oh no, we made this whole big cut movie where this player <laughs> explained like, "Nope, skip, don't care, don't care." They won't do it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, it's just such a great lesson in how to weave that stuff in that you need to tell people, you need to tell your reader slash player, but you can't just tell them, you know, just, you have to show, not tell. And also the other lesson I think I'm getting from this is they're having an objective, right? Because you're never just kind of wandering around like, oh, I don't know, let's see what this is, right? You're, you're running from a robot dinosaur or whatever. You Mm -hmm. have to get out of the thing you have to do. And so they're always a mission, which is such a great way of thinking about it. Well, you also, you can't do the big cutscenes that much anymore because, oh my God, they're getting expensive. <laughs> yeah, because they have to look yeah, freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. They have to look photorealistic and yeah. My favorite example of environment, my two favorite examples of environmental storytelling aren't even in video games. Um, mm-hmm. You've got Mad Max Fury Road, hmm. which has an entire mythology an entire set of character motivations that are never stated, mm-hmm. but are just shown. Just something as simple as calling something shiny and chrome and spray painting your mouth tells you how much they love their vehicles and idolize the vehicles. Yeah. Then you've got the first 35 minutes of Wally. Yeah. Where there's, there's not a single word spoken. But by the end of that 35 minutes, you've got an idea of what happened to the earth. Mm-hmm. You've got an idea, you know, Wally's personality, you know, Eva's personality, you see the relationship grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the movie for people. Oh, no. But you've got, it's, you know. It's only, you know. Is there a statute of limitations it, on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I believe Wally <laughs> has, uh, has exceeded that. And all of that happens through the environment. Mm-hmm. Just the simple act of Wally putting the lunchbox on his back. Mm -hmm. If you go back and watch that, tells you volumes about Wally's personality and desires. It's it's a freaking masterclass, which is why I'm taking a class to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, this is so cool. And honestly, you know, Disney World does a really good job, Disney World and Land does a really good job of that sort of environmental storytelling because they always say the ride is a story and the place mm-hmm. is a story mm-hmm. and especially you know the new stuff with pandora and galaxy's edge it you do interact with the environment you see those details now i think a little different in a in a theme park because you're also living your life you know so it's even harder you know when you're a video game you just you're just doing the video game you, yep. know, you have to pause it but you know you're at a theme park, you're also dealing with your, your kid and you're hot and you're tired and you need to go to the bathroom and, you know, you're going to get some lunch and things like that, um, which is why it's even more brilliant. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the idea of, 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 of place, of being in a place and interacting with it and having, and having that be what you do as opposed to explaining and talking. And it's amazing watching how much Disney has learned about that over the years. Mm-hmm. You look at what it's like in the line for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yeah. And then you look at what it's like in the line for Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Mm-hmm. The sheer difference in 
how much each of those lines puts you into the world and puts you into the right mindset for the ride. And then maybe not to get, we're not going to give anything away, but, and then Rise of the Resistance is the absolute uh, oh God. apex of that. Rise of the um, Resistance, I cried. Oh yeah, I me too. I actually cried during that ride. It's that um, immersion. And I think as writers, you know, when we're thinking about how do I explain this world, here's a place where we can take a lesson from video games is, you know, instead of doing a first chapter, let's do your... Mm-hmm. Uh, your tutorial mission, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> your first thing. Yeah, so we need to play some more video games. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'd say is, I mind you, here I'm speaking solely as a reader. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love when an author describes their world. One of the best people I've seen that do that, does that is Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read anything by him, Brandon Sanderson is the king at coming up with a world that is similar to but completely different than anything you've ever experienced Mm -hmm. and then letting you learn about it over the thousand pages of his freaking book because he takes 200 pages to clear his throat but still right but it's still beautifully Um, done yeah but it's it's always very interactive it's always very Mm -hmm. you know you you learn about the magic system by having someone using it yep like they're in the middle of a fight and i have to have to do this that you know like that's how you do it so yep. and, you, and you learn about the world because you're the characters walking along and then the kremlings get in the way and see us and they have to deal mm-hmm. with that and it's 500 pages into the book where he's been talking uh, this is in the way of kings mm-hmm. where he's been talking about krem piling up on things until you finally realize what krem is mm-hmm. how it yeah. actually and it has an effect on the story later in that series if there were some video games that writers that would be good for us to to learn you know the, these lessons from what would some good ones to start with be bioshock infinite okay and what platform um, is that one uh that's available for pc playstation 4 xbox that's a thing. Okay. Xbox One, Xbox Series 94020X. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> Dude, I, I know like I got Nintendo and I got I got PlayStation and I got Xbox. Those are the three I, and then I guess yeah, and then PC. It's available for it's available for PC, um, Xbox, and PlayStation. Okay. Um that's a good one. Um The Last of Us is a really good one. That one is a PlayStation exclusive because mm-hmm. it's an internal PlayStation studio as is God of War. Now, God of War is a long series. I'm talking about specifically the one called God of War that came out about four years ago. What's good about that one? The lessons I would take from that one is they're not afraid to introduce a character and not tell you who they are and just have the interaction happen with them and have learning about them happen organically over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, their, and their attention to detail help sell the world and the feeling of the world. Mm-hmm. The main character has an axe. And when he throws the axe, it hits things. And then the axe comes back to its hand. It's like Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. Except I could teach a class on that axe. The feeling when the axe comes back to your hand and, the, and your controller vibrates just the right amount. Mm-hmm. The little arc that the axe flies along when it's going the sound that it makes when it leaves the hand versus the sound that it makes when it's coming back. When that ax leaves your hand, it grows 20%. They don't say that. And it's not even part of the gameplay. It's just so that it's easier to see and looks better when it's flying through the air. Um, 
which I suppose is the other lesson I picked from it, which is don't be afraid to cheat. Yeah. Um, it's your world. Do, do whatever you want with it. So, but I'd say there's that. Let's see. Bioshock Infinite does a wonderful job of the background telling you the themes of the, the themes of the story. Mm-hmm. It's a weird steampunk. I was, steampunk's the wrong phrase. It's not so much steampunk, but it's this floating city called Columbia above the clouds that has seceded from the United States um, in the early 1900s. And there's themes, there's a lot of themes of racism in it and oppression and religious um, oppression and... Yeah, in a video game. In a video, oh God, yes. Yeah, this is it's an art form, people. This is legit uh-huh. stuff, yeah. And there's an enormous amount that the art team did when designing the environments to drive that home. And the design team did when populating. If there's a black NPC... They're dressed worse. They're hiding in a corner. They're around. They're around behind something. If you go off the beaten path, things get much shabbier, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. there's graffiti on the walls. The posters all show smiling white people. The mm-hmm. you know on down the line, the, and all of it's a lot of it's just happening as you go past. That's amazing. Yeah, these details, the level of detail that you have mm-hmm. to put in, because you have to, you know, with writing, you can you can leave stuff out. With the mm-hmm. with the video game, you can't. You have yeah. to fill it all in, well, and so you got to make it all work. And with writing, you get to point things out. Yeah. With video games, if you want to do environmental storytelling, and you want the player to notice five things, you need to put seventy five things in the world. Because mm-hmm. you don't know where the player is going to go. In many cases, you don't know where the player is going to go. You don't know what they're going to do or what they're going to be looking at. Um, and so. You do it. You take a layered approach, and you follow, of course, the rule of the the first rule of educating the player in a game, and it's true in other stuff as well. Is that doing is better than showing, showing is better than mm-hmm. telling, but all three of them are better than than any one of them by themselves. Mm. Okay, and so you'll take, for example, another game, Jedi Fallen Order. Oh yeah. Have you played it? I have. I have watched my children play it. Okay. The training level on that, I think, should be necessary for any game designer uh, and yeah. possibly for any writer, because the way that it layers its teaching, you see someone do this and then you get told that you have to do it and then you get shown how to do it and then you do it. Then three minutes later, you do it again. And then two minutes after that, you do it again without any prompts. Yeah. And in every case, it's necessary to move forward. The first time you make a jump, it's over a six-foot-tall gap. If you fall, there's no problem. Second time, you take a small amount of damage. Third time, there's danger. That's a lesson that I would say to to bring it around to writing. When you're introducing new concepts to the player, to the reader, to the player. (laughs) Yep. When When introducing new concepts to the reader, that layered approach, approaching something subtly from three or four different directions... Mm-hmm. sticks in someone's mind more than them just being told. Yeah. I even like just the idea of thinking of your story as a video game and your reader mm-hmm. as the player going through it. Like, how does that change your mindset when you're going through something? You know, I'm always looking for different, you know, different mindsets to, to, to try. You know, like, how do I want to think about it? And so it would be really fun to do a draft thinking about, 
okay, what what if this were a video game, kind of, you know, and and I'm leading the reader through it, like they're a player. How would I do that, you know? And mm-hmm. and you might you could come up with some really amazing stuff from that. So I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I th- I think that's brilliant. I I've always approached it from the opposite direction because I'm a game designer. Yep. Where I've I've actually told my students, okay, think about this as a novel. Mm-hmm. All right. How would you get the story across to the player here? I've never actually thought about approaching writing from the viewpoint, writing a book from the viewpoint of a video game. That's I think that's brilliant. Worth a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's all for me. What writing's all about is like I don't know. Let's try this. I don't know. Let's try this. Let's mm-hmm. do. You've got an infinite spice rack, and you just kind of start throwing stuff in and taste it you know (laughs) because it's there's no one set way it's so open and and free which is fun and also scary so yeah well speaking of fun and scary um this episode has been fun but endings are scary and we've reached the ending does does that work is that a segue (laughs) that was good beautifully done that was yeah (laughs) a master a master (laughs) three out of ten I'll take those three. I'll take them. Alrighty. Well, David, thank you so much for being with us. This has been great. This this week and last week, we learned really so much. It's been a blast. Thank you for inviting me. Anything you want to plug? I don't know. We just ask people to plug things. I don't know if you plug anything. It just apply to Bradley University. Bradley, <laughs> if you want to learn how to make games, Bradley University's game design program and our game art program and our animation program um, and our new game design and development master's program. Yes. All developed from a real world viewpoint, getting you the skills you need to go out and get a job in the games industry, either AAA, indie, starting your own company, anywhere across it. We are not, if, if you want a theory based program, I would not recommend us. If you want a put nose to grindstone, make games and get a huge quantity of really cool stuff for your portfolio while at the same time learning game development theories and methodology, then we're the program for you. Awesome. Well, thanks, David. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so we will end our podcast always do by reminding everyone that writing is hard. So take it easy. I'm Mary. And I'm Melissa. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.